I mean, I remember my senior year of Dickinson being like, what am I going to do after I graduate? I was like, the jobs don't exist that I want. Like, I, I have no idea. And I really, like, I knew about venture capital and entrepreneurship, but it was, VC is like this guarded, secretive society. And right. like, how do you get into that? And you have to go work your ass off on Wall Street for, you know, 10 years and like, throw away your 20s <laughs> right <laughs> just, yeah just to serve coffee to people yeah. and just go like just go work forever and then someday it'll happen and you'll get to do cool work and I just kind of threw myself at some opportunities that I didn't know how we're gonna how they were gonna pan out and I by God just wove them yeah. into my story and created kind of a story for myself that was attractive enough for both Zach Terry yeah. and uh, Vic Gatto to say we want her to join our team. I'm Jacob Jones. And I'm Parker Gates. And you're listening to Reframe, the show where we explore stories and ideas and people that help change the way we see the world. On this episode of Reframe, we have our friend Eller on the show, who's an amazing mover and shaker in the VC world here in Nashville. She's a managing director at Jumpstart Foundry. She oversees their annual seed fund and 80 plus innovative healthcare companies in their portfolio. Stay with us. Where did you and I first meet? Do you remember? I feel like I've known you for a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you were probably one of the first few people I met in Nashville, but was it around a jumpstart? Probably. Wasn't it? We, you know, jumpstart um, in 2015, summer of 2015, um, jumpstart was having our companies come here for a stoked workshop. Yes. And I was interning. Gotcha. With, okay. That's right. With jumpstart. And That's so, right. You interned? Yeah. I didn't know you interned. Yeah. You didn't find that on the internet? No, I found an internship, <laughs> but it wasn't Jumpstart. <laughs> um, yeah, I interned with uh, with Jumpstart with Vic and Marcus. Really, it was Zach Terry. Shout out to Zach Terry. Yeah, for sure. Who hired me as his intern to run all of our mentor nights that oh, summer. yeah, 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 yeah. So that was still when Jumpstart was doing mentor nights and kind of the accelerator model and so I was thrown right in you know right out of college boom here's Parker Gates he's leading a really cool badass workshop I was like what are these people doing yeah so what year is this this is 2015 2015 Mm -hmm. and then where were you in school so I had just graduated from Dickinson College uh-huh. up in good old Carlisle Pennsylvania with, with a BS in biology with a BS in biology Bullshit and biology. <laughs> <laughs> Just BS and some biology our over re- here. Our research department told me that. That's oh, right. nice. Yeah. But yeah, I had a I had graduated with a BS in biology, and you know, like a few years prior to graduating, you know, I had declared my major. Right. But I had thought I wanted to go to medical school, and that did not. You know, it, it kind of became more and more clear to me that that was not my life's calling. That I really liked working with people and making them 
happy and, and connecting people. And there's a lot of sadness. I, I shadowed some oncologists while I was in college. And yeah. man, it was some really sad, sad stuff. And um, I wanted to be a part of things that, using Jumpstart's tagline, but I wanted to be a part of things that make people's lives better and improve them. And I had gotten involved with a, like an entrepreneurial student organization at Dickinson called the Idea Fund. And we were helping students make their businesses, their ideas kind of a reality. And so I loved that work yeah. and tried to chase after opportunities that let me do that kind of work. And that's kind of how I got into another internship, another job. There's one summer where I worked like three different like internships. Oh, wow. Prior to Jumpstart. You just like you kind of answered my one of my biggest questions oh. after doing some yeah. some digging around was like, okay, so I saw you had a degree in biology, but then mm-hmm. I saw while you were still in school, I think you were at Lamp Post Group. Yep. Um, yeah. So it's like a, a a fund of some kind. So Lamp Post Group was a venture incubator. It was founded by a handful of guys that had sold their logistics company. Um, And so they had, you know, had this great exit as entrepreneurs. They wanted to give back and, you know, invest and help kind of nurture some of these companies. And they were right in my backyard, my hometown, Chattanooga. So I got connected, looped up with them, and got to work with them for a summer, kind of have that experience seeing both sides of the table, like the entrepreneur day in, day out, as well as kind of the venture investor and advisor, kind of helping the entrepreneurs along. Loved both sides of it. Yeah. But uh, really liked the side of the investor, kind of getting to dip your toes into a lot of different companies. Yeah. Really after that summer, I was like, this is what I want to do. I like had a little bit of heartburn about leaving, you know, my biology and interest and health behind. And so when you know, when I came upon Jumpstart and it was the story, one of the partners at Lamp Post knew Vic and Vic was transitioning all of Jumpstart from kind of industry agnostic investing to all healthcare. Should say right. Vic Gatto, the CEO and co-founder. Yep, right? yeah. of Jumpstart. I actually want to read some of the Jumpstart description because just for context, because it really, it's really well written, describes Jumpstart perfectly. So you're the managing director at Jumpstart Foundry. Correct. So you consider yourself a VC? I am a you're, VC. Yeah, you're a yeah. VC. Yeah. And Jumpstart Foundry is a seed stage healthcare innovation fund that invests and supports healthcare technology companies. Every year you raise about $3 million and invest in 15 to 20 companies. Badass. Badass. So that's like when I was looking at this, I was like, wow, biology degree, and now you're a VC in, in the healthcare space. Um, but there was an immediate jump over to that, as you just described. Like, Were you interested in entrepreneurship in the early couple years of college? Yeah, I definitely was. I, I loved that, going back to that helping people and like helping connect people. And so really it was my start kind of in this entrepreneurial world was around this group called the Idea Fund at Dickinson. Still running today. Very proud of that. Nice. So I was kind of part of the early team, founding team around the Idea Fund. There were these really cool juniors or seniors on campus that were starting it. I was a freshman. I had um, joined the Student Senate. (laughs) 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 And it's, it's actually like, it's such a beautiful tale because it's like, just like real, like the real world. Because I was, I was on the Senate. It's like government, 
and it's stuffy and bureaucratic and I just got so tired of it because I'd go to the Senate meetings and people would stand up and just want to hear themselves talk and Mm -hmm. we wouldn't get any shit done. Mm -hmm. It was so infuriating. And one of these, you know, juniors, maybe he's a senior or something, had come to a Senate meeting, had had seen me get up and talk about something and was like, wow, you really can, like, you're passionate about making change and you're being stifled here in the Student Senate. Like, come with me. <laughs> come nice. with me to nice. the idea fund. Come with me to the private sector. The dark side, yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> it was totally that. Um, <clears throat> and so I went to my first idea fund meeting and I was like, these are the coolest students I have met yet. Like, these are my people at Dickinson. And that really was like, I found my place at Dickinson. All right. So like, what was it about them? Like, what, what made them cool or, or so attractive? They just had this welcoming sense about them. Like mm-hmm. there wasn't this, you have to have accomplished so much or have to be a part of this sorority or this fraternity or you have to do uh-huh. this. Like it was just this, just crazy cool group of people all trying to get stuff done. I mean, there was a guy trying to start a coffee cart. There was a guy trying to start like an educational agriculture bus. Like there was like, there were people wanting to start, you know, service training, like for dogs, like service training dogs organization. And it was just all these cool ideas moving around. And all of those students were really well connected to the administration at at the Hmm. college, which, I have always liked having friends across generations. Like, yeah. I I always have had friends that are multi-generational. Um, and so I wanted to get to know some people that, you know, weren't in school, my professors, administrators at the college. And that was kind of core to the Idea Fund model in that if you're going to have student ideas and student businesses kind of started on campus, you have to have approval from certain administrators um, or, you know, academic heads, things like that. And so part of the idea fund model was, all right, let's help these students build like a business plan and then let's connect them to the right administrators that are going to put the stamp of approval and say, here's how you actually need to implement it. And yes, we're going to go for it and we're going to provide some funding. So equate it to jumpstart i literally do that with companies you know who in the industry do you need to talk to who what kind of mentors or advisors do you need in your corner helping you do your thing and i always think back at you know my time at idea fund and at dickinson i was like wow i was doing what i do now at a just totally different scale isn't it funny how that happens yeah Yeah. i mean that's a common theme within any entrepreneur or um, really anyone that, that I've ever, like, that has an interesting career is like there's sort a of meandering path where you learn skill sets or you didn't expect, yeah. and then they come back around, and it wasn't usually the thing you thought you were studying. I mean, I remember my senior year of Dickinson being like, what am I going to do after I graduate? I was like, jobs that, I, the jobs don't exist that I want, like, I, I have no idea. And I really, like, I knew about venture capital and entrepreneurship but it was vc is like this guarded secretive society and like how do you get into that and you have to go work your ass off on wall street for you know 10 years and like throw away your 20s (laughs) right (laughs) yeah just to serve coffee to people and just go like just go work forever and then someday it'll happen and you'll get to do cool work and 
I just kind of threw myself at some opportunities that I didn't know how were gonna how they were gonna pan out, and I, by God, just wove them into my story, and created kind of a story for myself yeah. that was attractive enough for both Zach Terry and uh, Vic Gatto to say we want her yeah. to join our team. So I remember. So it's nice. been almost five years. Almost five years. Yeah. So how many how many uh, companies are in Jumpstart's portfolio right now? Seventy-eight. And that's wow. not including the round you're raising right now. That's not including the round I'm raising right now. So we'll do twenty more in twenty twenty. It's our golden year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so just to like put it all in context, so you 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 oversee raising the fund. Mm-hmm. You are involved in all the strategic decisions on where to invest the money. Every company gets 150k, right? Correct. Plus a lot of support, yep. um, path to scale, um, networking, and all that. And then you continue to work with them year in, year out as they need help while you're still raising the next round. Mm-hmm. And so, and all these companies, by and large, if not 100, percent are like innovating in some capacity in healthcare. Yeah, that's a crazy shotgun approach to solving something that yeah. that and to do VC funding out of Nashville. It's like no one does. Are you? Aren't you? Are you the only? Large, no. It's fund of your size in this space here? I would say we're the only fund of our size because we am, and the only fund of our model. Right. We have model, a pretty yeah. unique model, particularly for, for Nashville. There are other VCs here in Nashville, but they're much more traditional VCs. You know, the whole 2 and 20, which is you know 2% management fees, 20% carry on a fund that will invest over – four years and have a life of like a 10 years. So, yeah. yeah. Which is where Vic cut his teeth originally. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So, hey, can we do like a quick glossary check? Yeah. VC, what does that mean? Venture capital. And what is that? It is a way of funding early stage ventures, typically ventures that are, you know, they're not lifestyle businesses. It's a new technology that is going to radically change a process or an industry and the end goal for those companies is to be acquired or sold an exit right. vcs are gotcha. all about exits okay. and so that's something i've been like talking a lot about recently is that ever since shark tank <laughs> everybody and their mom thinks that if they're starting a business they need venture funding right which like is just simply not true. And yeah. there's a, I mean, there's a lot of businesses that are like feel strongly against uh, taking on money. Yeah, and I, I'm a VC that will say, don't take money if you don't need it. Yeah, like, will we can, we can become the biggest pain in your ass, especially if you don't need money. So why work with us? Yeah, if totally. you don't need it. You don't like, need it. Yeah. yeah, you don't want me down your back, wanting you, you know, to grow your business enough that you're going to sell it and exit it if that's not what you ever want to do. Right, like, yeah. yeah. Don't do All right. that. All right, so if, if, if that's that, uh, tell me about like a, an accelerator or an incubator, like, or, mm-hmm. or if there's a difference or those the same things. Like, what is that? No, I mean, they're similar, and I think they're ever-evolving. Okay. Um, so accelerators really, I think the best, best example of an accelerator is Techstars. Okay. Um, yep. They run really awesome programming where companies can companies apply to TechStars. TechStars will um, run them through a program, and by providing them that access to that program, they will take a small percent of the company. So they'll have a small equity stake in each of the companies that go through their accelerator program, 
And in that program, they're teaching these companies how to pitch, how to structure their team, how to essentially just get their feet under them. Gotcha. Um, and it's pretty standard. I mean, it's yeah. standard programming for the many companies that go through it in different cohorts. It's like a finishing school. Yeah, right? so kind of. Builds up your confidence, your network, your, yeah. your understanding it, of the things that you're going to have to really get done. And you can, like, really – I encourage particularly, like, first-time founders or founders that are entering a new industry that may, they may know nothing about to go through an accelerator because they're going to learn – really key key things about that industry and they're going to grow their network mm -hmm. in that specific industry or and have people that they can lean on incubators on the other hand are more they're longer term where it's kind of like co-working mm. but maybe with a specific industry focus so that people multiple companies or people within the quote-unquote incubator can rely on each other they can walk across the hall and ask someone a question about their business and it's just like mind share. Gotcha. But the point is to grow, right? I mean, yeah. okay. Yeah. The point is to grow and to quote unquote incubate to the point that they need to move out and they need to right. go grow their team and become an amazing company on their own. And Jumpstart's a hybrid. So you're not a straight up fund, but you're not. Yeah. So I would say we're a hybrid between like traditional VC and accelerator program. We did do a big like push away of like, we're not an accelerator. Don't ever call us an accelerator and I'll shun you if you ever do. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's because, you know, people would come to us and say, well, how long is your program? I'm like, no, no, we're going to be your partner. I want to be your friend forever. Right. <laughs> and like, I'm not going to leave you after the program is over. Right, right. Um, and we believed that the stage and size of companies that we were working with didn't need a set program. Mm. They needed individual help and and advice, and they needed it at different times. Um, They're all going to grow at their own pace. And if we force them all into kind of a standard three months, likely they weren't going to get the help that they yeah. really needed because they could be closing a pretty big customer in six months. And if, if we're there, we want to be able to help them. We don't want to say, oh, sorry, your program's over. Totally. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah. yeah, so I would say we're a hybrid between, you know, early stage investor and strategic advisor, kind of a strategic advisor yeah, that would yeah. come through an accelerator. And so and after this year, you're going to be knocking on the door of almost 100 companies. Mm -hmm trying their damnedest to succeed and and innovate um, some aspect of healthcare. Yeah. And I think wild. <laughs> it is wild. <laughs> and I think that's that's one of the things that we talk about daily at Jumpstart. And I think it's it's not just me. I don't work wonders every day. I have an amazing team really behind behind all of this all of this that just we are so focused on building to scale. How can we help a hundred companies? How can yeah. we actually deliver value? And you know, we've found that you know almost all of these companies need the same help. There's somewhat of a recipe, but they all need it at a different time, hmm. and they need it in said in slightly different ways. Yeah. 
and then obviously the connections, the very specific connections, that's what's different. And so if we can provide some of the standard coaching, you know, online or let them access it whenever they want, that's one way to scale. And then the other is, you know, they reach out to us when they really need that strategic help. Are they structuring their board of advisors? Are they closing a big customer? Are they opening up a new round of funding? And whenever those kind of milestone events happen, they reach out to Jumpstart, and we're able to kind of queue up how we can help and dive in, really help them set things up, and then move on. Yeah. And it's pretty nuanced, right? Like I remember, so I I didn't say this, but I did some marketing work with Jumpstart uh, back in the day. So I was at a couple, uh, but one specifically I remember where it was like after you had um, invested the fund, all the companies come to town and you have a couple of days of orientation and get to know everybody. Yep. And they all kind of like pitch their business model to the rest of the room that just got funded. And, and you just got, you can kind of tell like immediately, like you're not going to need as much help as you. Yeah. And you know, you can kind of like, who's your Derek Jeter on the team and yep. who's you know third string. And that doesn't mean that third string person won't be successful, but I imagine as you're thinking about how you support them, there's a difference. Absolutely. And I think That's why we've built kind of this, we call it like an online learning management system. And it sounds really boring. Yeah, you can do some (laughs) rebranding on that. (laughs) Jacob's available. So we call it, let me me actually call it. I want shit. Come on, Jacob, let's go. 2015. They need help. You left them. See what happened? So, okay, okay, okay. It's actually called the refinery. There we go. That's a little bit better. But the refinery is an online learning management system. So companies can log into the refinery and get the help that they need for the stage that they're at. So, Jacob, like you alluding to the Tarek Jeters in the portfolio, they can, like, speed through all the levels of the refinery, like, in an afternoon. Um, And they're going to be there. And really what they rely on, on Jumpstart for is that strategic connection, that warm introduction. Mm. We have to check off all the boxes. How's your pitch? How's your you know your branding and marketing? Is your website clean? Like, is, do you, have you done an infosec audit? Like, have you what everything that you could possibly check off? Okay, you're good. All right, we'll make these introductions. Yeah. Um, for those that are going to take a little more time, we have all sorts of resources that we can say yes, we want to make these introductions, but you really got to clean up your pitch deck, your website does not clearly communicate what the heck yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. And here, we'll connect you to, you know, five different people that can help you clean this up and let's work on that. That's yeah. your primary objective over the next three months. And then let's reassess. Did you achieve those goals? Can you move along in the refinery and then start accessing more content, um, kind of more appropriate for their level? And that's cool that that's what Jumpstart does. I'm I'm getting a little more curious about you. So you've yeah. been in this business, you've been in this uh, for kind of a short amount of time, right? But yeah. like you seem radically competent. Like, you know what I'm saying? But like still with a good sense of humor, you're not boring. So that's great. Um, cool. You know what I'm saying? How do, how, how do you feel like you got to this place? I mean, like, what is it about you that like went from being kind of a science nerd, like in a good way, like that's a compliment and like um, saying, no, that doesn't feel like the right fit. Like it feels like I'll just be sad as fuck all the time to this place where you're like, you know, VC is really interesting. Helping new people is really interesting. And then like you seem like you've been doing it for 20 years. I, I might attribute it to 
it's this balance between confidence and imposter syndrome of like I don't know enough how can I learn more why why am I here what am I doing and it's like this like balance between fear of not being enough Mm -hmm. and confidence of I am trying and I'm working really hard and I deserve to be here fuck yeah and it's it's a constant balance in my brain of those two things and there's some days where I walk into the office and I'm like on a high I'm like yes we are crushing it I've reached some goals I've done some really great work and been really impactful and then like that'll all come crashing down when someone on a call asks me a question and I have no idea how the fuck to answer it and I'm like I don't know anything right (laughs) right I'm a complete idiot what am I doing here yeah yeah yeah, totally living under a bridge yeah 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 it's a common human experience Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. how long do you want to do it like as someone who's never been to figure out what I want to, as a, I have no straight career path. Yeah. I, and I always, it's really I hard always to reel them in. Of people. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, like you think about like, this is great. Like, what, so I'm going to project a lot on you real fast. Cause it's, I'm, I'm sitting outside of it, but like, this is what I love about capitalism. Like at its purest form, definitely a capitalist where you're taking something that needs fixed and you're providing a funding and a business model where you make money when companies succeed, but if they succeed, they solve some sort of problem in a big, vast system that is really broken. Yeah, there's so much meaning in that. Mm-hmm. What else? When you think about that, when you, as far as your work goes, um, do you feel that way? I, I, I mean, I think I'm getting your question right, but I feel like I'm gonna do this until it gets boring, and it's not boring yet. It doesn't sound boring. It's not boring when you are impacting and changing big things in healthcare, and like the cool thing about being a VC in healthcare is that inherently, like whatever you invest in, is going to help someone somewhere along right. the way. Like it's either gonna help a hospital, like just take it back, like help a hospital cut costs so that they can deliver better care, or so that they can, you know, get to people faster. So cutting costs, driving efficiency, providing new technologies, providing service and care at home doing it, you know, on the move, like anything like that is just inspiring is that like, yeah, I'm doing venture capital, which can sometimes be soul crushing and like, mwahaha, I'm like building a huge evil pile empire, of, right? huge pile of money and evil empire, but that's not what we're doing at all at Jumpstart. Yeah. I think if I were at a, at a venture fund that, that felt like that, I wouldn't last very yeah. long. I think, um, having the emotional and altruistic drive behind venture in healthcare is incredibly important. The other thing is, again, back to like, until it gets boring, like, I won't, you know, keep doing it until it's boring. So much of what I love about Jumpstart is that we are constantly changing and evolving and looking at ourselves in the mirror and asking, why do we do it this way. And I think that in some ways was intentional on both Marcus and Vic's part because Vic is the only person on the team that has a traditional venture background. Everyone else that we've brought onto the team doesn't have that and therefore asks like even some of the most basic fundamental questions of like, well, why do we do it that way? And the ans- if the answer to that question is, well, we've always done it that way, like right. not good enough. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. That's not cool. Yeah. Like, 
why do we do it that way? Uh, well, we've always done it that way. That's boring. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so Jumpstart is – we've completely, like, upended the venture model, like that 2 and 20 model I was talking about, like, completely upended that. We're investing in 20 companies at once. Like, it seems impossible. How can we – how can we improve our odds of success both for the fund but also for the entrepreneurs? Sure. Like, how can we deliver value? How can we make introductions, like, at scale? And I still think we're, you know, we're figuring it out. And we're getting better every day, but it's still a whirlwind and not boring. What's it like being a lady in the VC business? You know, I, I enjoy being a woman mm-hmm. in the VC business. There's yeah. the thing that irritates me the most is um there's always this like it's always talked about like does it have to be talked about like um about being a lady in vc yeah, yeah. And I, it does. yeah. i mean i, I guess it, it does because it still is being talked about but um, well is it a male dominated thing or no it is a male dominated thing period yeah um and so i think the most frustrating thing is not being taken seriously um and particularly both from like VCs and entrepreneurs, like um, when you have an entrepreneur meet you and like you're the decision maker, I'm the decision maker. Right. And they walk into the room and they kind of give me an up down and they're like, what? I'm like, all right, you just decided your fate. <laughs> 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 oh, it's over now. That's yeah. right. All right, startups. You know what's funny? Listen up. Like this morning on the drive in, um, I was listening to Marketplace from the from the day before. It's, it's kind of my, and um, there was an, an exact this topic came up, and there was um, a woman at I, I can't remember it was like Morgan Stanley or somewhere, but her only job was to do this huge report about all the money that's being left on the table by VCs across the board in the whole country because it is like I'm going to flub the stats a little bit it was something like 90% something white dudes are controlling the whole thing Um, and and her report was like so they don't realize this but the average white dude entrepreneur returns like 30 something cents on the on, on the penny, whereas the average entrepreneur woman is like 78 cents or something on the penny. Oh, and they're like, basically, by not overly de- investing in multicultural and uh, multi-gender entrepreneurs and startups, there's like trillions of dollars being left on the table. Yeah. So like, that's the only stat that's going to get them to change everything. Right. is the money. Yeah. The yeah. Money. yeah. It's true. And I think, you know, what, I, um, what I've really chosen to focus on at, at Jumpstart is, is not the fact let's invest in more women, it's let's invest in the best companies and actually take a blind approach at that. Yeah. Like we have application and full application process where they give us you know, very just clear data points, easy, trackable data points. And I'm going to look at those companies blind of, you know, the founder first. Right. So I look at the business model, the traction, the market opportunity, everything like that first. And then I look at the founder and the founding team. And a lot of times, some of the best businesses and the sh- those that are showing more traction are way more buttoned up. You know, there's like a majority that's led by women. Yeah. And I think the approach that other VCs take is, you know, they look at the founder first or and they make their assumptions sure. um, on the founder first. Or they look at a pitch deck and the founder's you know, picture and title is always at the end of the pitch deck and they'll throw it into a pile. Right. 
because they make immediate assumptions yeah. based on bring all their biases. Mm-hmm, into they it. bring their biases to the table. They they inherently people inherently like and will favor people that look and feel like them. And so if you have 90% of the you know VC world as older white men, yeah. they're going to invest in a younger version of themselves. It's this kind of focus on okay, maybe we need to bring more women VCs to the table to help drive some decisions into you know investing in more diverse teams. But also on the part of just VCs of like, look at the business blind of the founder's gender right. first right. and then totally then look at the yeah. at the team, the founder and our and their capabilities. But Yeah. Especially not only like yeah, it can be the right thing to do, but especially if there's financial data to back it up. Yeah. Right? Like start showing yeah. people that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So interesting. I don't know. It's a, you know, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing that I've found talking about. So I worked for, I did an internship. Let's talk about that internship, that summer where I had like three different internships. Right, yeah. I worked for Lampos Group. I worked for a women's angel network. Okay. Where their thesis is to invest in women-led or majority women-owned businesses. And that's a fine thesis. I think it's a great, it's a great thing to, to do and, and be intentional about, and it needs to happen. But at the same time, like you could argue that you're leaving half, right, right, half the money on the table. Like right. you're, you're, you're excluding an entire population right. of founders. And um, depends on your yeah. end goal, right? Yeah. Like if that particular organization's goal is to support female entrepreneurs. Yeah. Whereas Jumpstart's goal seems to be, you know, disrupt and innovate healthcare. Yeah. At the best possible yeah. way we can do that. Mm-hmm. Do do that. And so if you're not a gender specific fund then look at deals in a right. non-gender specific way. Yeah, totally. Okay, total about face, because I want to talk about fly fishing. <laughs> Did you start fly fishing um, after you got into the VC world or before? After. After. Because yeah. you're from Chattanooga, so I didn't know if like that you grew up with it. No, I, so my brother had kind of grown up fly fishing. My grandfather um, did a little bit of fly fishing, but like I never was brought into the fold. I don't think intentionally. I think it was just like... Just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. Yeah, my brother like went on like some cool high school fly fishing outdoor trips like with his high school. And like, you know, I just didn't have those experiences at, um, at an all-girls school. I always thought it was kind of cool that I'd want to try it, but somewhat similar to VC can appear like hard to get into. <laughs> like yeah. there's a lot of gear you got to know where to go. There's some secretiveness yeah, yeah. to, like, yeah. how do I, like, find the best, like, place to fly fish? And so it's kind of intimidating at first. And I got into it when Marcus's wife, Rachel Whitney, I was talking to her one one evening, and she was saying, oh, yeah, I'm going on a fly fishing. I was like, oh, that is so cool. I've always wanted to go fly fishing it just seemed really cool I've just never done it and it's kind of intimidated me and she was like you should come with me and I was like oh yeah okay I'll come with you <laughs> you know I messaged Marcus and I was like hey Rachel asked if I wanted to go on this trip with her like, is it cool if I do that and he was like I don't give a shit what you do with my wife and I was like cool <laughs> and so I went on this trip with Rachel and sh- with this a group called the Music City Fly Girls. 
And I swear to God, it was like a, like a light switch, mm-hmm. like flipped. It was like, I've always enjoyed nature. I've always enjoyed being outside. Mm-hmm. Um, I told Jacob this the other day. I was like, I love camping. I love hiking. I'm never going to be the one that like plans the hike or plans like right. where we're going to camp. Like I always rely on other people like my brother or someone to like, this is where we're going to go. And then you come over and we'll line up all of our gear. And like, I, I love helping with that, but I'm not going to be the leader of it. Yeah. Whereas like I went on this fly fishing trip and I was like, wow, this is how I like to be in nature. You don't have to camp. It's more fun when you do camp, but you don't yeah. have to, you can just kind of go out be out there for an afternoon. It's quiet. You're by water. There's just like a soothing sound of the water. If you don't catch anything, you're in a really beautiful place. Yeah, like it's, it's totally okay. Yeah, bring your heart rate down. Yeah. And then up when you catch something, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like get all excited. Yeah. So and, I think yeah. we're always talking about some version of the need to create the space to get out of where of your normal day-to-day to um not only for the value it brings to your work when you return or yourself but just because like you have to do it mm-hmm. yeah. you know, parker you're uh, you're always really good at uh, making sure you get at least one in a year we, um our last episode where you went to the mountains yeah i imagine a lot of your work is meetings email like yeah. a lot of, like it builds up and there's a crunch time of the year right is, yeah. so is it is that a relief valve for you or are they related at all yeah it is a relief valve for sure I think it's you know work for me it is seasonal and it can become like a lot and very overwhelming at certain points in the year where we have a big event where we're bringing all of our portfolio companies to town and there's a lot of planning and logistics and making sure that I'm helping the people that really need help or getting connected to the right people and there's a lot of moving pieces where at the end of that, I'm like, I got to just like step away or I'll, I'll reach a point in the year where I'm like, damn, I haven't been outside. Mm. I haven't had my hands in water in a long time. And that's real sad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it just, you know, I literally, I emailed you Parker after watching your video of like going into the mountains. I was like, shit. Yeah. What am I doing with my life? <laughs> I've gotten that email from a lot of people, right? And like lately, yeah, a lot of people are like, oh my God, I've been staring at my laptop a lot. You know? Yeah. So yeah, it's easy to forget. It's it, uh, You just kind of get caught up in the momentum of work, right? And yeah. you're just kind of like stuck in that that flow, that churn. And yeah. sometimes that can be fun and, and, and fulfilling in its own way, right? And so not trying to like say all work is bad, right? But like we, to build in a regular cadence of mm-hmm. downtime is like, it's hard and it's so important. And I would know. even go so far as to say is like the work, like the work side of stuff, professional stuff gets tiring. But what my downfall is like, even just the personal yeah, social schedule, totally. like such and such friends are coming to town. Yeah, just, life, such and, yeah, just like I mean, life stuff. Life that is I'm not like, operating in nature for most of us, you know, yeah. um, guides. <laughs> yeah. right. We use our laptops every day, unfortunately. Yeah. It's funny, like, so I, my kids, who are, are, you know, three and five, they both have tablets. And recently they've been spending a lot more time. They love, they love the fucking tablet. And I'm so conflicted because sometimes they'll be on their tablets in the living room and I'll, I'll just be sitting there quietly and I'll just snap and be like, put your tablets down. We're going in the yard <laughs> or we're going out to the park or whatever. But then sometimes, like, especially my three-year-old, I'm realizing he's learning so – like it's developing all of these functions in his brain he didn't have because he's playing yeah. games. Yeah. They're playing like these – and they're for kids' games. They're designed for learning and education. So it's like part of me is like they're not 
not all work is bad, right? Not all screen time is bad, but right. you really have to like. And I'm projecting my own feelings onto them because I can because I'm their parent. That's what I'm gonna do for the next 16 <laughs> years. <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> And that's a wrap. I'd like to thank Eller for coming on the show and sharing her story with us. I've had the pleasure of knowing her now for several years, even doing some work over there at Jumpstart um, in the past, and uh, definitely check them out. They're up to some seriously impactful things um, over there at their company, and I look forward to seeing a lot of things coming out of, the, coming out of there in the future. That is a wrap on Reframe for 2019. Uh, thank you so much if you've been listening. Thank you for listening to this episode. As we look into 2020, uh, Parker and I and everyone here at Stoked have quite a big uh, ambitious goal for our media. So if, you're, if you've dug the shows in the past, hopefully you'll continue to, to listen in, um, to what we're up to in 2020. But wishing everyone out there a uh, happy new year um, and a lot of peace and love and joy. And uh, we will see you on the other side. <laughs>